I'm Jamie O'Kane, CPA, Small Business Advanced Tax Planning and Compliance Extraordinaire. And this is the Abundant Beans Podcast, the podcast that takes my love for learning what makes people tick while digging into the good, bad, and ugly of small business ownership. We strive to give you the insight that only those in the trenches of being and working with entrepreneurs can provide. Today, I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Casey Truby. Casey has bought 21 failing small businesses over the past 50 years, fixed the obvious mistakes, and resold them at a profit. In the, 19, in, in the 1990s, he sold over 1 million audio cassettes on building a business. Audio cassettes. <laughs> audio cassettes? I do. Um, on a building a business. In 2003, he owned the world's largest QuickBooks trading company with 400 locations. That is boggling, mind-boggling boggling to me. In 2015, he invented AutoKept, the world's first voice recognition expense tracking and bookkeeping app so small business can track their tax deductions by just talking to their phone. All these adventures spun out of his bookkeeping business that he started when he was 16 after getting kicked out of high school. <laughs> Casey, welcome. Thank you. Well, for thank you. Jamie, spending time with us. I'm excited to be here. Work on the ranch today in Arizona, and I'm actually in the house. Usually I work in the barn, uh, <laughs> but uh, there's too much light in the barn for video cameras. Yeah. I just work in the house. <laughs> yeah, plus it smells better in here. Probably. Probably smells a little better. Well, so I he's smoke I smoke cigars and my wife won't let me work in the house. Oh, she's like, I don't want to smell you. She's go out there and with the cows, they smell just like you. <laughs> <laughs> I like her. I like her. We would be friends. Um, so answer for us. Um, what was your first job? Being a bookkeeper. Mm -hmm. um, now the first job I was actually as what I would call an adult. Um, you know, everybody that's an entrepreneur, if you're naturally at, good at it, you probably started when you were five, uh, selling the neighbor uh, garden seeds or uh, making up something to sell. But at 16, I got kicked out of high school. And listen, here's why I got, I got kicked out, because I got caught kissing a girl in the backseat of driver's ed. <laughs> and uh, and the, the instructor looked up in the rearview mirror and pulled the car over to the side of the street and made me walk three miles back to school. When I got there, all my stuff was sitting on the curb and uh, don't come in, a sign on the door. So I went home and uh, I kind of liked bookkeeping. So I started doing that for a small uh, auto detail shop. Now, now this is in Wyoming in the 1960s and this little detail shop was the only place in the state that played uh, Motown. It was owned by a couple of old black guys. Mm -hmm. And I used to go by there all the time, listen to music and dance, da-da-da, da-da-da. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I went down and asked them, do you guys need a bookkeeper? And that was my first job. So you were doing, in the 60s, you had like double ledger paper. Well, that's all you could work on then was green ledger paper and a pencil, number two pencils and you uh, kept a, what was called then a 10 key uh, mm -hmm. you'd punch in numbers and then pull the handle and make a big loud noise the electric motor turn on and crunch out the number on a piece of paper <laughs> i have worked on green ledger paper so i'm i'm young but i've worked on green ledger paper my first job my first accounting job like out of college they would hand me green ledger paper and say write down your journal entries and we'll see if they're right and then you can enter them Awesome. See, it goes, and that was just 20 years ago. Yeah, that was, yeah, 
20 years ago, 16 years so ago. So, and actually, my first phone, our first phone in Wyoming, uh, I remember talking on the phone, you actually had to climb up on a stool and crank the handle and ask the operator uh, to connect you to the neighbor. That's um, so crazy. So, the world has changed a lot in 66 years. They re it really has. It's really kind of mind boggling. Uh, we used to have one of those rotary phones when I was little, and I used to dial, dial Japan because I go one, two, three, four, and my mom would be like, who's calling Japan? And then she looked at the number, she goes, oh, it's Jamie. She's calling Japan. <laughs> yeah, at four bucks a minute. <laughs> yes, she was not happy with me. <laughs> um, so you have had many businesses and ventures. Can you give us the highlight reel? Hey, you know, the, um, uh, when I was 16 and I started working for this uh, old black man that ran the auto uh, detail shop, it only took me a few weeks to realize he was an absolute terrible businessman. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, uh, why, why don't you sell this business? You shouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. And he said, if some fool would give me 5,000 bucks for this place, I'd sell it right now. Well, I pulled out his checkbook and wrote a $5,000 check on his checking account and post dated it and said, would you sign this for me and go. And I took over the business right then. And I thought that was probably the highlight of my life because I'm 16. I can't even legally sign a lease or sign up for electric, but I now own a business. And uh, so we started fixing the problems. And the two guys that stayed with me, um, they played lots of Motown. We had a great time, but we fixed the obvious problems in this business. And uh, at that point, that guy's biggest problem was he went out and got commercial accounts for less than it was costing him to do the work. Mm. And that's why he was losing money. And he wasn't keeping track of his accounting so that he knew what jobs were profitable and not. So I just fixed that mistake. And eight months later, I sold the company for enough to buy a brand new Camaro, which was a big deal for a kid that was 16. And <laughs> so that was, I started right out of the gate with a big highlight. Um, and then just went from one project to another. But I'll tell you the biggest, the biggest one recently is that I got a call from another accountant mm -hmm. and uh, said, come to Tucson because there's a $3 million home health care company here that owes $1 million in payroll taxes. And on mm. Friday, the Internal Revenue Service is going to close them down. So, so I flew. So just for our listeners, um, so what happens with payroll taxes? I'm just going to explain that since you and I are both accountants, so we can explain how that happens. So what happens is an employer takes the payroll taxes out of the employee's checks and then didn't pay them in, which is a huge deal. And the IRS does not like that. They were into the IRS for a million dollars. That's a lot of payroll. That's a lot of payroll. As a matter of fact, sometimes that's a prison sentence. Yes. That's but, a lot of um, and so uh, we entered negotiation with them on Tuesday and this is actually kind of interesting how what happened here the i looked at everything they had all their books their assets yada yada and spent a couple of hours going over their business plan but when i ever go into negotiate about buying a business i carry two envelopes with me one has ten thousand dollars in cash mm -hmm. the other one five thousand dollars in cash because i'm going to make a steal this business cash offer and after talking to him, I said, okay, I want three things, a copy of your operations manual, mm -hmm. your employee list, and your customer list. And that's all I want. Put that on a CD-ROM 
and here's an envelope with $10,000 in it. And you're going to go out of business Friday. So they, they moaned and cried about what I was stealing the company from them. And then finally they agreed that that was get out of town money. Now here's the important thing. If you buy a business in bulk, it's called a bulk transfer and you don't get out of the tax liability. However, I knew that if you only buy 49% of the assets, assets only, and only buy 49% or less, then the bulk transfer law doesn't apply. So the next morning I went down to the Internal Revenue Service, the collection agent, I sat down with her and I said, here's exactly what I'm gonna do. I didn't buy anything but the customer list and the employee list, and I'm gonna run the numbers and see which half of their customers make the most profit. And I'm gonna go fire the rest of the employees and the rest of the customers over the next two days. And so that's what we did. We ran around the country or ran around the uh, Pima County in Tucson and we only took one 49% of the business. So we got a $3 million company, sliced it to one and a half million. And by the following Tuesday, we were up and running in business with the same employees, but half the customers and we owned it free and clear. So that was pretty clever, wasn't it? So what happens to the $1 million in liability? Well, it went, it stayed with the owner of the business. Mm. And as far as I know, they gave up trying to collect. Nobody went to prison, uh, which I've heard of on payroll taxes that you oh, yeah. can actually end up in jail. Yeah, they'll uh, shut they, down your business and put you in jail. Uh, they did not go to jail. Um, and you know, after 10 years, they give up. Mm -hmm. And so I think they just eventually, uh, well, that was in 2013. So the 10 years aren't up yet. Uh, so we'll see what, uh, we'll wish them good luck that they get out of it. But isn't that clever? That was real important to know 49% of the business, or you're going to get the debt, the bulk transfer law, even if you're buying assets only, the bulk transfer law not only applies to taxes, but an, a debtor can use the bulk transfer to file a solid claim in court against you. Now, is that state by state? Or well, is that federal? Uh, it's one of those codes. It's pretty much universal mm -hmm. in all 50 states. Man. That number doesn't change. That's really interesting. Buying a business, especially distressed companies, and they have an enormous number of amount of debt only by the good assets and the good customers mm -hmm. and let everything else go away. That's interesting. And then I'm you'll so have- I'm so intrigued. <laughs> you know, and I've done this 21 times. So it's, uh, uh, it's an interesting way to create wealth. Businesses, especially if they're, if they go up for sale in the 200 to $500,000 range, they're very easy to sell. Mm -hmm. And the reason they're easy to sell is because there are so many people that come out of corporate America and they've got a half million dollars in their pension plan. Um, Don't get but, me started. you know, they're 57 years old. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started on uh, people buying businesses with their retirement and not oh, knowing how to run one. Well, no, oh. I've just seen it go sideways too many times. I think it's a great way to buy a business. But you, most of these people come out of corporate America and don't know how to be business owners. Oh, they don't. And all of that goes back to 
they don't pay attention to the mm -hmm. numbers. Mm -hmm. And that over all the years I've worked in business, going all the way back to uh, one of my most interesting companies I bought was an auction company. Mm -hmm. And um, every time we went into a business to liquidate their assets, because I'd have, I had a contract with the state of Wyoming to uh, do bankruptcy clearances. Mm -hmm. Every time I went in, the books absolutely had no correlation to the business. Um, the books were fantasy. Um, <laughs> and and the, the business was stacked to the ceiling with inventory, accounts receivable had gone uncollected, and the business ran out of cash and they couldn't understand why because according to them, they were profitable uh, without realizing accounts receivable and inventory is not cash flow. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, we would end up auctioning them. And I got into that business. I'll tell you a real quick story. I got into that business by accident. Um, I owned a little furniture business, office furniture, and we were running a sale one day in a hotel. Guy walks up to me at the sale because I'd bring in a semi load of furniture and he looks at the, at the desk I'm standing next to and he says, 50 bucks, that's a piece of junk. And I go, yes, sir, it is, but that's a price. And the guy standing next to him says, because um, uh, the guy yelling at me says, well, I'll give you 25. But there's another old oil man standing next to him. He says, yeah, but I'd give you 30. And I look back at the first guy and I said, well, he said 30. Would you go to 35? Anybody going to get a 35? Would you get a 40? Get a 45 dollars. <laughs> I was just playing when people started running from all over, throwing their hands up. Oh I didn't God. know it was going to be an auction. <laughs> Neither did they. But I kept it going. I, and we sold that desk for $75. I grabbed the chair right next to it. I said, all right, who just turned me out of 25? <laughs> and we sold every stick of furniture in that building in the next 91 minutes. That's and $17,000 of profit. I'm 23 years old. This is a pretty good 90 minutes of work. And so uh, I, that's when I went out and started looking to buy an auction company because I knew how much you know you've ever read that book the millionaire next door in that book he talks about the the most successful financially successful businesses are auctioneers mm. isn't that interesting that is really interesting aha you're writing that down <laughs> so, i am i'm constantly the, saving notes because they're, they're clever enough to watch and wait and uh, if they see a uh, $13,000 tractor and it's selling for $3,000, uh, they're going to sell it to themselves. And they're going to buy that tractor and they're going to keep bringing it back to the next auction, the next auction, the next auction until somebody gives them 13000 bucks for it. Uh, so a lot of times when you go into an auction, 10, 15% of the stuff in the sale belongs to the auctioneer mm. uh, because he's been hanging on to it for the last couple of weeks uh, until someone wants it until two people want it or at least uh, two it's hard to get it if one person wants it. it's hard to get good money oh, but gosh. and you know selling a business is the same way uh if two people want the business it's a lot easier to sell mm. um and so whenever we sold any of these 21 companies we always made that a point get the buyers halfway through the flip and start lining them up um, hey, I'm going to have this company uh, 18 months from now. Do you want it? And then make sure all the other buyers that you're talking to know each other. Um, so can you tell us uh, what the biggest deal you have ever done is? You 
You know, Jamie, I'll tell you about the biggest day I've ever had. Um, now, I don't mean a day where I sold a business. Most of the businesses that I have sold have been 200, 400, 600,000 in that range, 500,000. Because mm -hmm. um, I buy them for almost nothing. I have two envelopes, five and 10,000. I look for people that are, uh, they have a good product or um, there's something good about their business, but they're terrible business people. And being a terrible business person, always it always boils down to two things. They're not focusing on what they do that works mm -hmm. or they let their numbers get out of control. Mm -hmm. And they have no idea why they're not making money, uh, which I always find disgusting <laughs> that you don't know this. But um, the biggest day, the most income I ever made in a single day is I made $1,010,000 in profit in three hours. It was the best thing that ever happened is in 1999 and I was doing a presentation, a group presentation to potential customers and I was selling a marketing plan to accounting firms and I got on the stage at nine o'clock in the morning. There were 145 potential buyers in the room and I spent the next three hours explaining how they could um, how they could build their accounting practice uh, using QuickBooks seminars as a marketing tool. And at the end of the three hours, and I gave them everything I knew. I mean, I told them everything I knew mm -hmm. for, for, after doing this for a couple of years. And then I said, do you want to become a distributor? If you do, uh, you need to give me $10,000 right now. And here's the order form. And I made them run up and get the order form. And mm -hmm. Of course, you always use limited availability. Uh, I know we've got 150 people, but I've only got 60 territories open. I can only take 60 of you. Uh, so the first 60 to come to the front of the room, uh, you can have an order form. Well, I actually had 150 order forms in my hand uh, in case everybody came up, <laughs> but I acted like I only had 60. And when the first guy jumped up and took one, I said, 59 left, 58 left, 57 left. And pretty soon there was a rush to the stage uh, to become a QuickBooks distributor and hand me a $10,000 check right at the moment. And between uh, 11.55 when I started and 12.05, 110 people had taken an order form, filled it out, attached a check or credit card, and walked to the back of the room and gave it to my staff. And then they got on the airplane and went home. And my staff was looking at me after uh, the dust settles and they said boss you just made over a million dollars in three hours and uh i was actually pretty pleased and i said yeah let's do it again next week <laughs> <laughs> um we we tried but i was never able to duplicate that again come hell or high water i could not duplicate that moment when I had 150 needful people in the room. And of course, that was really the key question. Are they needful? Is it a hungry audience? These mm -hmm. people have flown to San Diego because they really wanted to do this. Um, I think that's a terrible mistake we make in business is we go off on what we think is important rather than finding out what customers want. Mm -hmm. And that can sure turn into years and years of headache. Yeah, I think that's very true, especially in the accounting world. Um, we think people need tax returns, but that's not what they need. <laughs> well, mostly they just don't want to go to jail. Right. If there they were need... no prison sentences for not filing, 
there would be no accounting industry. Oh, that's so true. I love that. That's so true. <laughs> that's the biggest. You're right. You know, uh, I've had many people ask me, well, how come you don't mind paying income taxes? And, mm -hmm. Well, I hate it. I hate it. But I just look at it as a franchise fee mm -hmm. to be able to operate under contract law. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I guess I have to pay it or I don't get contract law. That's right. Otherwise, they come at you. Um, so, so you've actually developed a process um, for the sales through your foundation, the Self-Employed Foundation. That's what you're working on right now, right? Well, you know, I'm retired now. Oh, okay. And, and uh, uh, so I have one product called AutoCap. Now, that's mm -hmm. a software that I invented uh, using a bunch of uh, whiz kids out of the University of Arizona in Tucson. And... What I told them was that the vast majority of people get letters from the IRS and the IRS sends out a hundred million letters a year. Mm -hmm. um, and they're just shooting in the dark, hoping that somebody will send them 300 bucks here, 500 bucks there. Uh, and tax collections are through the roof in America because of these letters. Oh, well, it certainly helps that the economy is doing very well now too. Uh, but they're sending out these letters and people are defenseless on the most part. So, especially in a correspondence audit. So in uh, 2014, I got an audit notice myself and it didn't go well. Uh, the audit took two years to complete. Um, it got bigger and bigger and bigger because when the auditor uh, asked me for uh, the business purpose of a hotel uh, invoice, I couldn't tell them exactly why I was in Dubuque, Iowa. Mm. And uh, so she said, well, that's personal then. You took a personal trip. And why said, would anybody go to Dubuque? <laughs> Dubuque, are you kidding me? I went to Dubuque <laughs> on a personal trip. I mean, three minutes, you look at the Mississippi, and after that, the, the, the trip is over. Personal. Anyway, one thing led to another. And then I really got nailed because I was doing a loss carry for it on one of my projects that didn't work. Mm -hmm. And I had a, a loss carry forward from 2004. And I made the mistake of not keeping all the filing cabinets. Mm. Because in 2016, she said, show me the paperwork for the loss carry forward. And I don't have it. I kept it 10 years. So that ended up costing me $350,000, oh. that mistake. And I got an invoice for $350,000. And so now we would have never got to that point if I had been able to prove why I was in Dubuque on the hotel bill. Because she, she wouldn't have kept digging. She would have kept coming, she would have kept coming up with answer, answer, answer. And the audit would have been over and I might have owed four or 5,000. But since I said, no, I don't have this. She said, what else don't you have? And it was getting juicier and juicier as she dug and dug. And I went to my lawyers and my accountants, because uh, we hired tax uh, workout guys and lawyers to keep us. Uh, and here's what they told me, honestly, we think you better just pay and shut <laughs> up. Oh. Because if she keeps digging, mm -hmm. you may end up in prison. So, oh so I paid the 350 but that was enough of that. So I went down to the University of Arizona and said, I need to 
I had this idea that mm -hmm. if I could just talk to my phone and my bookkeeping would get done, that it sure would save me all the headaches of receipts and business purpose, contemporaneous recording, et cetera. So I went down to the University of Arizona because voice recognition was just coming online. Siri was brand new. And so I found a half a dozen uh, little techno terrorists. Uh, some of them weren't even old enough to shave yet. Mm -hmm. um, and I gave them all a job. I said, we're going to build this software. You can use the software as your resume. When you graduate from college, take the software code to Google or Facebook and get a good job because I'm only going to pay you minimum wage. And so for the next two years, we worked on this program called AutoCAPT. And so now today, when I spend money, uh, it's a real simple thing, whether someone's handing me a check or I'm spending $40 in cash, uh, which my wife who's an accountant also hates it when I spend cash, but I still do. I can't get out of the habit. And um, whenever I do anything financially, they always hand you a piece of paper. There's mm -hmm. always a piece of paper that is generated. I simply pull out my phone, take a picture of the piece of paper, mm -hmm. and then I touch the uh, listen button and I start talking about why I spent the money. I just spent $40 to buy copy paper for the office. I just spent $39.45 on American Express ending in 9002 for uh, taking Bob Johnson to lunch. We talked about the Tobacco Road Project. And I'm just talking to the phone in a voice. It's recording it. But using artificial intelligence, it can pick the key words out of that voice track and code the transaction. Uh, into a qualified accounting transaction with the business purpose, all the contemporaneous details and a photograph of the paper associated with it and put it all into a spreadsheet in the correct column and the bookkeeping's done. That is amazing to me. Um, I actually recommended it to somebody. They're like, well, I have a small business. I was like, check out AutoCapt. Like all you have to do is talk to it um, after you and I talked. Cause it's just, it's amazing how many small businesses we have who can't keep track of their stuff. 60 uh, million. I know. There are 60 million people in America that have to track that and they're vulnerable if no they world. don't. Yeah. And I mean, full disclosure, I'm vulnerable. I get and, a pile of receipts and then I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. And it ends up in the trash. Yeah. Well, you better hope you don't get the same auditor I got. Well, I, I'm like really hopeful now. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's expensive. <laughs> um, but Jimmy, you know, I, I might be jumping ahead here, but people yeah. can actually get a free copy. We don't charge for AutoCAP uh, okay. because it's distributed through a nonprofit foundation called the Small Business Federation. Mm -hmm. And the uh, you can get a copy of it by just going to uh, autocapt.com. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And it's A-U-T-O, like automobile, auto, mm -hmm. capt, K-E-P-T. Yeah. AutoCAPT.com. We'll link it in the description box. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, and then... Um, uh, download it and we'll actually, if you want us to, we'll call you on the phone and help you get it up and running. Oh, that's awesome. And we, that's included for free. We'll Sweet. do that so that you can actually get your uh, transactions recorded. It's uh, done through the nonprofit. And that's what I'm running now that uh, I pretty much wound down all of my business adventures. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're down to raising uh, 
raising kids and raising chickens and maybe raising a little hell still. Yeah. Right. So, um, so who is auto kept for? So what kind of, what kind of business, what kind of business owners? The smallest business owner would be the gig economy worker. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm driving an Uber car and, uh, I've got expenses. I think that if I just run them all on the credit card, it's a good expense. The IRS is going to take it. Uh, here's a heads up. That's not true. Mm -hmm. If you're not recording a business purpose along with the expense, then it's going to be disallowed. Uh, so that's the smallest person. Then uh, we work up the food chain to the contractor that's got employees running around at the Home Depot buying uh, 22 befores or six boxes of nails and the guy's losing the receipt mm -hmm. and the bookkeeper's having a fit um, or doesn't know what job to cost it to. Uh, and so this is all going into a spreadsheet. So when she sees that Home Depot charge come through, she can simply type in $82.86 into the spreadsheet. There's the transaction picture of the receipt and the contemporaneous recorded voice of the foreman standing in the aisle at the Home Depot. So now the bookkeeper doesn't have to call him up and, and listen to that song and dance that she knows she's going to get. She's heard it before. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, so anywhere from that small independent guy doing 10000 a year up to uh, maybe some business with uh, 10, bus 10 employees that are running around spending company money. Once you get past the 10 employee point, then you should probably look at uh, switching over to uh, Expensify or uh, get Divi, uh, one mm -hmm. of those debit cards that directly link right into accounting software. Yeah. Um, but up until that point, you don't need that complication. Uh, you know, there are 60 million people that need to track money. And remember, those 21 businesses that I bought, not one of them tracked money. They were all sloppy bookkeepers. Mm -hmm. And they had sloppy accounting because they didn't think it was important. And so I made a fortune off them. I bought them for 10 or 15,000 bucks and sold them for two or three or 400 thousand two years later mm -hmm. and I did it 21 times because they didn't want to do the work of tracking the the money that comes in and goes out it really just um, speaks to how important the bookkeeping is oh um, no nobody appreciates it no they don't uh, uh, we get a lot of pushback on you know pricing on bookkeeping but it's like do you ever want to sell this thing we have to do this and I'll give you I'll give you something else really interesting uh, that um, we discovered working closely with accounting. Mm -hmm. I've discovered over my lifetime, uh, 50 years in business, starting at 16 years old, now 66, that most small businesses should really focus the number of customers they have mm -hmm. down to maybe about 100. Why is that and so important? Because we can no longer be in mass merchandising. Uh, everything that can be mass merchandised has already been done by uh, Home Depot or the Shell gas station chains. Mm -hmm. Anything that we sold without interaction is pretty much standardized and sold by mass. Mm -hmm. um, much of the rest is being sold by Amazon. Uh, today, if you're a small business owner, it's a one-to-one -one service that you're providing for the most part. And that would be the engineer, the accountant, uh, the lawyer, the uh, contractor who's doing uh, 
uh, custom kitchen rebuilds, that sort of thing. So there's a one-to-one -one contact with the customer. Now, here's the reason you want to stick to 100 customers, because it's so much easier to build a strong, ongoing relationship with a small number of people mm -hmm. where you have a real tight, personal interaction with them. They're dependent on you and you're dependent on them. And all you need to do is find 100 people who will allow you to net $833 a month. So in the accounting industry, like you are, for example, mm -hmm. you might need to charge this person $2,000 a month. So I'm billing them 2,000. I'm doing enough work that they're getting $2,000 worth of value, mm -hmm. but you're netting 833. If you have 100 people netting you $833, that's a million bucks a year net income. That's crazy. And you're doing well, and you're not driving yourself crazy, always wow. looking for the next client. So what is your, because you're in the, you've been in the accounting industry, um, I know everybody who's in the accounting industry right now or pays their accountant is probably going $2,000 a month per client. That's a lot. How do you, how do you help people find the value in that $2,000? Um, and how do you help them get out of the transactional relationship? So um, I can't tell you how many tax, tax people I know who prepare to, you know, thousands of $250 returns every year. How do you help them not do that? Well, I think the fastest way to get out of that is to, uh, if you were starting new today, you take the first hundred people that you can get mm -hmm. uh, and you do anything you can for them uh, mm -hmm. because you just want to have cash flow. You want to have some uh, influence, but in the marketplace, you want to get things going. Mm -hmm. Now, when client 101 comes in, though, look at how much profit each of your clients are making you now. And this is something that we always stress to all of our clients. Always do a P&L, not by month, not by location. Do your profit and loss by customer. And which customers make us money? And it's not always your biggest customer. Oftentimes, the customer that's spending the most with you is the biggest pain in the neck possible. And they've already worked you down on the margin so much that you're just taking the business to keep the doors open. Mm -hmm. That's what happened to the home healthcare company. Half the business they had was unprofitable and they didn't even know it. So if I'm an accountant today, what I'm gonna look for is, um, uh, I just wanna make sure that phone's off. I see someone's about to call me, yeah, sorry. If I'm uh, in the accounting business today, uh, the thing I want to look for is where is this client, when a client 101 comes in, is this new client going to be in the top half of my income makers or the bottom half? And if they're going to come in at the bottom half, I'm not going to take them at all. If they come in and they're at the top half, I'm going to add them to the group, but I'm going to go to number 100 and kick him out. And now I may kick them out to one of my employees and let them do it. I may sell them off to the guy down the street that's just trying to get started. Mm -hmm. I won't ask for him very much. You know, hey, give me 500 bucks and I'll give you this uh, bad client. Um, he'll make you a thousand bucks a year, but that doesn't fit me so you can have him. Mm -hmm. And so I get a little bit out of him rather than just run them off. Uh, but I start working on just taking the good ones. Now, what do we do to make $833? 
Honey, they're spending that kind of money now. They're spending thousands right now on an internal bookkeeper, internal CFO, in internal accounting softwares and systems and uh, billing processes, and all of it in chaos because they're doing it one up where you're doing it for 100 businesses, and you can do the same thing for all 100 and do it successfully. They're trying to do it one at a time and figure it out one at a time. Well, that's plumb nuts. This business owner doesn't make any money worrying or thinking or planning or learning how to do accounting. They Say that make, again. Say that again for us. This business owner does <laughs> not make any money doing or planning or managing or learning accounting <sighs> and everything that's associated with it. They make Amen. <laughs> and so what we need to tell these clients is, what are you doing that makes money? Mm -hmm. This is a real critical sentence. What do you do that makes money? And let them talk mm -hmm. and go on. Pretend you were in your uh, therapy session when you used to take therapy and you heard that all the time. Go on and yep, and, and. and. <laughs> let them continue talking. Make notes and then ask them one simple question. Why are you doing anything else? Mm -hmm. It, so do you true. want to be rich? Do you want to work less? Do you want to have more fun? And if I ever got a client said, well, I don't want to be rich. Our meeting was over. Yeah, I don't want, I want to work 80 hours a week and not sleep. And so when you find that person, you really seriously need to get up and walk out of the room because they're going to transfer their chaos to you. Oh, so true. And you don't get to sleep. So true. Uh, so I don't want their chaos. I mean, one time, we, this is funny, we had a bookkeeping client and we told him we're going to take care of everything. Mm -hmm. And the bookkeeping client, for some reason, thought, now I can just throw all my receipts and paperwork into a trash bag and then I'll uh, give it you the trash bag. Well, one morning, without my knowledge, he drove by. Um, we had a house on the beach at that time. He rode his bicycle by and threw the trash bag over the fence into the yard. And uh, at five o'clock in the morning, well, I get up at seven to take the kids to school and there's a trash bag in my yard full of paper. The dump truck was coming that day. So I just took it out to the street and threw it in the, <laughs> the trash. Of course you did. That's what any of us would have done. <laughs> it was six months of accounting. Boy, was he surprised when he heard about that. I am so stressed by the trash bag full of receipts. Yeah, so we had to finally go, well, the trash bag full of receipts goes away with AutoCAP. That disappears. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the other ways that accountants can actually make a, a lot more successes. Take everything the business owner's bad at mm -hmm. and standardize it. And the one thing you cannot accept is, well, we don't do it that way. We do it this way. Mm -hmm. And don't accept that no no you work you you work with us you do what we what we ask you to do yeah we're going to give you the system and you know and when the big six accounting or big four big two or whatever they are this week um i don't know anymore they do a lot of outsourcing that mm -hmm. is a big big chunk of their income of course they only do it for companies who have 500 employees or more mm -hmm. but when they come in they completely standardize the entire process to fit what they know how to deliver, mm -hmm. and that's all they'll do. If you want to change something, you'll have to hire somebody else because 
your ideas are not good. Um, that's a tough thing to say to somebody. But so here's what I'm always looking for. Uh, when I was in the accounting business, my wife still does a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. Are you going to be in the top half or the bottom half? Can we start working together to look for ways to make more profit? Will you accept my advice and follow it? Mm -hmm. And will you get to the point where I'm going to net $833 a week? Mm -hmm. I mean, a month. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to net 833 a month off your account. Then you're in my top 100. And the 100 is a small enough group. I can call them up and go to lunch. Um, I love taking three or four of my clients to lunch at once. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, that was my biggest sales tool. I'd bring three or four clients to lunch and then bring one or two prospects. Uh, and I wouldn't say a word about you should do business with me. I would simply let those one or two people talk to the four people I'm doing business with now. And it took all the sales pressure off of me. Um, but there was one real critical factor that made the difference between building a successful business quickly, mm -hmm. 100 clients and a million dollars year net income. And here it is. Is this human being the kind of person that I would invite to my home on Sunday afternoon to have dinner with my kids at the table? Mm -hmm. And if they weren't that person, mm -hmm. we fired them. How do you deal with clients that you really like, but will never pay you that amount? Will never, will never net that amount. We uh, sold them off. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was heartless. That's all right. Uh, and, you know, we can still be friends, but I can't be your accountant because you're not doing what I tell you. Mm -hmm. That's a problem, and, right? And but we were real frank when we took them. And I can now hear something interesting. One third of the people that I sold accounting to fired us, fired us within four months. Mm -hmm. One third, and that's because when we told them how they're going to run the money, that they just didn't want to fix it. They didn't want to change. No, mm -hmm. no, no. That's not the way we do it here. Mm -hmm. And and you know everything they did. Uh, Rob, Peter, PayPal, commingle funds, um, do uh, accounts receivable financing, mm -hmm. um, all those things that they could do to kill themselves. We'd see it. They wouldn't fix it. We're not going to be at your funeral. Mm -hmm. Put uh, every car they own and their family on the books. <laughs> I saw that everything. recently. I was yeah, like, what everything. are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, or or the one the biggest the biggest mystery one that we'd always find is how come you have an apartment downtown? <laughs> What's that apartment in the downtown district for? Yeah, we don't even want to get into that. <laughs> so, so if, you know, because you've been in this industry for so long, what is the big, biggest obstacles you see in the accounting and tax industry right now and coming up? Well, I think the biggest obstacle is the same that was there uh, 50 years ago. The clients don't appreciate the value of your work. Amen. So true. And it's so hard. It has nothing to do with technology, uh, the economy, uh, multinationals buying up your best clients. It's always the same. The client doesn't appreciate accounting. Mm -hmm. And um, that is... The only way to get around that is to keep the number of customers you have limited mm -hmm. and become such an intricate part of their business. 
uh, that they could never see themselves getting rid of you. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why we're so big on this. Stop at 100 clients. If you need 10,000 clients, uh, then sell something on the internet and good luck to you. Which, by the way, I absolutely think is an awful business plan, because as soon as you figure out something to do on the Internet that's really good, your competitors are going to steal it and they're going to do it, too. Right. And then your 10,000 units a month all of a sudden drop to 4,000. You don't know why. Mm -hmm. Well, it's because somebody saw what you're doing and there you have no secrets on the Internet. Right. Uh, so you don't know. depend on that. So the craziest thing to me is people that sell products, um, but I've seen them grow by creating community around the products. Like that's, that's how they continue to grow. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how they continue to sell um, because they're creating relationship. If you started at 21 in the accounting business with this concept of a hundred clients, mm -hmm. you would probably have 20 or 30 of those same hundred 60 years later when you're 65. 40 years mm -hmm. later, I'm ready to retire. But here's what you would have had 24 hour work weeks, 40 weeks a year over the last 40 years. Mm -hmm. You would never have a cash flow problem because you know exactly who's going to pay you when. And um, so you would have made a million dollars, lived on 250 and banked the rest. Uh, and you get out to 65 years old and you're rich. You've never worked more than 40 hours a week or 24 hours, uh, 40 weeks a year or 24 hours in a week. And you have best friends. And you'll probably outlive all your best friends because you've had a, a calm life. Mm -hmm. um, but you are honored in your community mm -hmm. because you've been so helpful to so many people. Uh, you have sent kids to college because your advice got the college funding done. Mm -hmm. You have kept people married because remember the number one reason they divorce is because of money. Uh, so kids have gone to college, marriages have survived, homes have been paid for, retirements have been funded. For 100 people, you have made their life uh, better because you have been the advisor, the guardian angel um, over dollars and cents. Oh, makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. Makes um, you proud to be an accountant, doesn't it? I love being an accountant. I do. I love the numbers. I love having helping people. I love watching them grow their businesses and help them do that. Awesome. Um, I love to help people, you know, raise prices and make more money with less people. And, you know, it's just, it's so fun to watch people's dreams not kill them. Right. And you can be a big part of that. Yeah. And that's what's so fun about being an accountant. So, uh, Jamie, I think uh, our time is up. Yes. Um, I have one more question for you. I'd like to answer it. Okay. So, but before I do that, what is the easiest way for people to find you? To simply go to autokept.com. Okay. Uh, A-U-T-O-K-E-P-T.com. Mm -hmm. Download the app. Download the app. Yeah. Because the app has direct communication back to us mm -hmm. and you can ask me any question. Um, you'll find our phone number there. If you mm -hmm. would like to call, you're welcome to. Uh, we'll call you if you want us to. You, there's a question. Do you want us to give you support? Mm -hmm. And if you click yes, then we'll uh, help you set it up, train you how to do transactions, that sort of thing. Awesome. Because the nonprofit wants you to be ready when you get that letter and if you think you're not gonna get that, you're not gonna get that letter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. 
you are going to get that letter. And also, this saves you time. It saves you time going back and forth with your bookkeeper on what needed to happen and where's the receipt and what is this for? And you can spend more time making money, right? Well, yeah, I, I was hoping that we wouldn't even have to say that. Well, I think we do. I think that people need to understand the value. The value okay, then, of, you know, re proper then, record keeping is you get more time to do your business. That you only do one or two things in your business that make money. Mm -hmm. If you're worrying about a receipt, you are not doing that one or two thing. So true. And you're, and you're stressing yourself out and you're overworking the hours. Just do the one or two thing and get rid of everything else out of your life. I love it. All right. So my last question for you um, is if you could give one piece of advice to small business owners or entrepreneurs, what would it be? The best piece of advice, go home and have dinner with your family. That's a good one. If you can't go home and have dinner with your family, figure out why. Because you're making mistakes and you're making a lot of mistakes in a lot of places. Go home and have dinner with your family. That's so good. Casey, thank you so much for your time today. Jamie, I've had a lot of fun. Okay, and good. You, you pulled some amazing, I didn't know I was so smart until after I talked to you. So. <laughs> Most people don't know that, so you know. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you prefer to listen. If you learned something and found some useful information to apply to your business today, please consider giving us a thumbs up and a review. Until next week, be abundant.